Hey, welcome to Textual Healing. I'm your host, Mallory Smart, and today I'll be joined by Sarah Edmonds to discuss their debut novella, Late Night at Full Moon Records from 30 West Publishing, a title and story that is a perfect match for this podcast. But before I go any further, I'd love to ask listeners to check out our Patreon to help keep this podcast going. You can find a link for it on our Twitter at PodHealing, and of course, I always love it when people leave Textual Healing a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. But back to this episode, though. Sarah Edmonds is a queer author and filmmaker from southeastern Pennsylvania who currently serves as video poetry editor for the West Trade Review and as editor-in-chief of Four Page and Screen magazine. We discuss Full Moon Records, playlists, teaching, concerts, and how I really need to learn Turkish. Best of luck putting all of that randomness together without listening to the entire episode. Here's Sarah. Okay, so I immediately wanted to read your book the minute I heard about it, and the fun reason why I heard about it is I just, uh, well, actually in two weeks it's coming out i have a book that's about a musician who works at a record store and 30 west was considering publishing it as a companion piece to yours oh my gosh that's so cool congratulations that's that's amazing that's yeah so cool. <laughs> it's gonna be from with an x books now instead because uh mm-hmm. i don't know just felt better weirder fit <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I get that, for sure. But Josh was, like, so great. He talked you up like crazy. Um, Aww. <laughs> oh, Josh is great all the time. But, mm-hmm. like, he immediately got me a copy of the book because I was like, I'm going to need to read this. Like, this sounds amazing. And I loved it. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I'm, like, blushing. You can't see. But <laughs> <laughs> So instead of me butchering it and saying what the book is about, How about you tell us? Yeah, absolutely. So really briefly, this book is about Lane, who's kind of your average 20-year-old trans man who has been down on his luck. He's been living out of his car, and he gets a job at this record store run by two lovely elderly women. And um, these women are really kind to him, welcome him in, and just as time passes, things start to get a little weird. They start to get a little unsettled, and he kind of has to figure out what's going on and if he really wants to know what's going on, because knowing that might put this new little home and family that he's built into jeopardy. Ooh. I do like that intrigue. That, that, that's a good way to cliffhanger it there, be like, you guys got to read to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, I feel like the quote-unquote twist is kind of obvious just from all the branding that um, goes into the book, the title, the marketing that I've done, and the way I talk about it. But but you never know. You never know. Hey, so. <laughs> looking at it, I mean, like at the actual book, one, I actually love the cover design. It's I'll very say. simple. I mean, I don't think it, not like simple in a bad way, like minimalist. So mm-hmm. I don't think that gives too much away. Who designed the cover? Um, Angelo, um, Meliange, I think I might be mispronouncing his last name, but, um, 
Angelo Maniange, and he was absolutely amazing to work with. He created covers for all of the 30 West Fall Fiction books, uh, so Lizard People and Bardo as well. And he actually created three different color design options for us to pick through for each book. And they were all fantastic. I fell in love with this one instantly. Um, I actually got a tattoo of it on my arm because I liked it so much. Um, but there was another version of the color, the cover that I absolutely loved. It didn't quite work as well with the vibe, in my opinion. But it was of two... It, it looked, you know, in Little Riding Hood when the wolf pretends to be the grandma, mm -hmm. it was kind of like that, two little grandma wolves in robes. <laughs> and I loved it, but it just didn't quite match the vibe. Um, it's a little yeah, on he, the nose, too. Yeah, but he was absolutely amazing to work with for all of the covers. It was absolutely a great first experience since this is kind of my debut novella, the debut thing that I've had published on its own. Um, I couldn't have asked for a better experience cover-wise, publisher-wise, everything. It's been amazing. You said you got a tattoo of the cover? I did, I did, and I kind of took a risk because we got to see the cover options, and we had input, and I had said which one I really liked, and I knew that was also the one that Josh Dale was leaning towards, so I got the tattoo before it, the cover was actually confirmed. Mm. Um, so it worked out. It was the one chosen, but yeah, it's uh, just on my right forearm, just the little car dude and moon. It right would have there. been hilarious, though, if that was not the winner. <laughs> it would have. It absolutely would have. I'm like, it like still has meaning Like, that's a story for life. <laughs> yes, yes. That's why I'm like, I like the art either way. I'm not going to be heartbroken. <laughs> but, like, at one point, you're just going to be like, it was going to be the cover. Yes. It lost. <laughs> yep. <laughs> No, that's pretty funny. I find it awesome when people actually get lit tattoos and everything. I mean, as a publisher, I was thrown the first time someone actually got... I, do you know I'm the publisher mm -hmm. at Malden House? Yeah, yeah. Through me, the first time someone actually got a tattoo of our logo. I was just like, why, why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> that's amazing, though. That's absolutely amazing. And then it became a weird trend. For a lot of Malden House <laughs> authors to get like Malden House tattoos. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hey, go for it. Get the marketing, you know? <laughs> I know. I was just like, that sounds really great. <laughs> like, one person even got like a stick and poke while we were at a reading, and oh. I was like, the hell, man? Wow. And like, then questions started sort of like, when are you going to get a Malden House tattoo? And I just seriously was just like, uh, I don't need to. I am Malden House. Like, <laughs> Exactly, exactly. All of the tattoos are representative of you. <laughs> I know. It's one of those things, like, I'm not afraid of tattoos. I have tattoos, but, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm running r out of space on my body to put tattoos. Uh, yeah, I have not run into that issue yet. Hopefully, one day, I would love to run into that issue, um, but not quite. Honestly, the ultimate goal is to eventually have a full sleeve of different book cover, like, representative pieces, but I have to publish more books for that to happen. <laughs> I mean, that's just straight goals right there. Yeah, right? I'm like, hopefully. That's, that's my goal. Is like, I want the tattoos bad enough that the books will happen. <laughs> See, my rule was that I was only going to get a tattoo per appendage of mine. So that is where technically I've run out of space. They're small oh, tattoos, okay. but 
my argument now with my husband is that, you know, there's another side of my wrist. <laughs> and, you know, there's mm-hmm. another side of my ankle. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. <laughs> I want to get my uh, title of the book that's coming out. And he was just, he was having the same thing that you just kind of were having where he was just like, but you're going to keep getting things published. If you, if you start this as a trend, you're just going to keep having a lot of random ass titles written on you. <laughs> I mean, but is there anything wrong with that? It, it, it so. is an explanation situation, but then it's like, am I a walking billboard for myself? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely some decisions there. <laughs> I know hard ones, very hard decisions. <laughs> and then it comes down to like, how, like, I don't know, where would it best belong, you know? Hmm. Mm-hmm. But who knows? It still might happen. I still have another tattoo that I've been saying I was going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I want to get the uh, Eye of Ra because uh, I just got Ooh. married in Egypt and I was just like, I commemorate every big thing I do with a tattoo. Thus, yeah. me having to explain that my other tattoos technically were significant events, even though they're non events. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a tradition. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> I, I got this really cool black heart uh, stick and poke after I saw the punk singer. That was really great. <laughs> See, a big event, absolutely. That's a big event. <laughs> Kathleen Hanna, come on. <laughs> yes. Like, who wouldn't want to commemorate that shit? <laughs> absolutely. Agreed. <laughs> and, like, it wasn't just that I loved the documentary. It was one of the first, it's really weird to admit this, times that I saw a movie in a movie theater on my own. And that felt oh, okay. like a significant t- thing. You know, I was like 22. Yeah, honestly, absolutely. I remember when I um, moved into an apartment for the first time by myself, I was like going out to dinner by myself and like going to do things. I'm like, this feels weird in a good way, but weird. It, it's like a maturity where you're just like, Oh, I'm fine and like I'm I'm good on my own. Mhm, mhm, absolutely. It's just like when you start traveling on your own, and everything too, and you're like, I don't have to ask someone else what they want to do. Yes, freedom, right? <laughs> or at movies where someone's just like, oh, like whispering or be like, can I get some popcorn, whatever. Mhm. And then my favorite is going to concerts on my own. Okay. I feel like I've not gone to a concert on my own. I have not, but I feel like I would need a buffer. I'm I'm so much of a non-crowd person. I'm like, I need someone there to, like, buffer from the crowd. <laughs> See, that's where it actually works out pretty well. I usually go with somebody, but I've done it on my own a few times. So, I mean, if we we're going to ratio it out, I, I go with somebody far more than I actually go on my own. But the fun part about going on your own is, again, not having to, like, rely on the other person's needs. Mm-hmm. I know, it's really weird. I'm five feet tall. My husband is 6'2". So as you can imagine, that's a very hard concert, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, just like you have other friends where it's like, I want to jump into the mix, and they're like, but I want to hang by the wall and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, like, what do you do at concerts? I am more of a hang by the wall person, I must admit. Um, I don't go to concerts all that often as far as like I'm going to this specific place to see this specific band um but I do live like 20-ish minutes away from Bethlehem PA 
and they have Music Fest at Bethlehem every year, and I love it. I love it so much. I don't usually pay for the tickets for, like, the big-name bands that come, but they have all of the different smaller stages around the city, and just going there and going to, like, the little crafts market and then wandering through these different stages that are kind of separated by genre, I guess, and they get weirder the later the night goes on because everybody gets drunker, too. Um, so I go with my friends, and we just wander around the city and, like, hopping from stage to stage, and it's really fantastic. I would be into that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's huge. It's huge. And because it's so big, it, it's not. it doesn't feel as crowded, I guess, because everybody's so spread out which I think is why I like it, because you're literally just sitting in this field behind this historic building listening to, like, I don't know, um, Red Elvises. I don't know, some band that's a little wild and everybody's drunk around you. It's fun. <laughs> it's kind of like the music festival experience, depending mm-hmm. on what kind of human being you are. <laughs> if you're feral yeah. like me, or if you're hanging by the wall or just chilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've done it where I've totally been like, I just want to sit like a mile away from the stage, please. Like, I'm not going <laughs> anywhere near the people who want to see Blink-182. Like, <laughs> yeah. They seem like they're going to get rowdy, and I'm going to hang in the back when they all shout out all the small things. <laughs> yeah, fair. Fair. <laughs> like, have you ever gotten, like, totally rowdy at a concert? that I have honestly the, and this is going to sound really silly um, the only time I have probably was back in high school but that was just because we had a lot of like I knew a lot of people who were starting bands in high school like late high school and we would go to all of these really small tight close, like closed in local venues and it was just everybody from our school everybody from our class yeah, just trying trying to like experience the idea that they're a band they're gonna be rock stars so we're all gonna like know rock stars you know and I think only one of them is actually still making music but it was great it was fun (laughs) so that's all that matters when I was 18 years old I was gonna be a riot girl if you didn't know that (laughs) perfect I think I think we all have those weird like Mm -hmm. expectations of our lives like I'm gonna totally make this happen and then you're like oh I can't sing never mind (laughs) Absolutely. I was in a band for a week in high school. That went nowhere. <laughs> Obviously, mine didn't go anywhere either. <laughs> and that's why I write instead. I and you. I write about people who love music and are obsessed with it. And I have mm-hmm. a podcast about it now, too. So perfect. Same, same vibe, different medium. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I get to, like, interview people who are, like, more talented than I am, and I love it. Oh, no, it's really great. Like, I have no issue, like, admitting being like, oh, you are so much better at your job than I am. Like, (laughs) I actually, I understand that feeling. Um, I did interviews over the summer recently for the magazine my friends and I have, and we interviewed some of the authors who had published, like, short, short stories, short plays with us. And, you know, I had glanced over their bios, like, when we put them into print. But other than that, I didn't really understand their backgrounds, who they were until we were actually talking. And I'm just sitting here like, why are you talking to me? Like, why am I the one doing this interview? <laughs> like, 
That's so weird. much more accomplished. <laughs> it's like, oh, why are you treating me like I'm the authority here? Oh, mm-hmm. how the turntables have turned. This isn't right. <laughs> yes. Uh, so when it came to writing this very rad as fuck book, <laughs> how much in your past music experiences did you actually bring into it? I mean, obviously we just spoke about how you're in a band for like a week. <laughs> mm-hmm, totally, all of that. <laughs> um, you know, I I love record stores. Like just as a starting point, I love record stores. I have um, like a record player, a bunch of records. Um, the music taste that is expressed in the book, like the different songs, the different albums that are talked about, actually is not very close to my own music taste. So I did quite a bit of research for those artists and those musicians because I wanted there to be, like, a specific vibe, a specific tone through it. Um, I am so happy you brought that up. I'm going to ask you about that later. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, But, yeah, I think Marie Hackman is the only artist I actually listened to before, like, before writing the book that's in the book. Um, But other than that, just kind of, like, I have this, the cover image, actually, of Lane on like the hood of his car staring up at the moon that image that happens really on where he's just like drinking Mountain Dew and listening to the music from his phone to the car radio just it gives me 80s vibes (laughs) I guess giving me Um, high school vibes but go for it (laughs) I know like I I think of Lane as like a teenage dirtbag like to quote a song you know oh Um, great song yeah 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 (laughs) I kind of is I, I don't know that's kind of the association this kind of guy who's not popular cool in his own way like I would think he was cool but just casual people on the street probably wouldn't think he's that cool um and this just image in my head of something that's like obviously this is not where he wants to be but it's this really like serene peaceful moment and I love like the 80s boombox like say anything is my top favorite movie so I'm trying to like channel that energy (laughs) into this and I'm absolutely band nerd like marching band, high school band, all kinds of music, obsessed with all of them. So just kind of capturing all of my favorite things that comes with, like, music culture, different subsets of, like, films, records, all that, kind of jumbling it together into this character and this vibe running throughout the book. I mean, you say, like, say anything, so you you dig John Cusack. Any High Fidelity vibes in here? Oh, I haven't seen High... I think I've seen High Fidelity once. (laughs) You wrote about a record store, and you. <laughs> I know. Oh my god! I actually okay. So I, I commissioned a piece of art that is still like, in production. Um, this the artist is still working on it, but I commissioned a piece of art, about like based on this book and the reference photos I gave were from High Fidelity. So does that like redeem it a little bit? It redeems it. it redeems it. Um, I'm gonna okay. expect by the time I like promo it and be like and Sarah watched. High fidelity. <laughs> yes, I will. I will. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just because, like, with my book, people keep asking. It's like, oh, it gives almost famous vibes, high fidelity vibes, and like all these other like movies. I'm just like, I'm a Chicagoan, so I'm gonna clearly say it was high fidelity. But go on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I get that. Um, yeah, I, I do feel like I've let everyone down because I do love John Cusack. I have so many of his films, so I'm like, gotta get on it. I'm pretty sure I own High Fidelity. I just haven't watched it in ages. <laughs> I have VHS of it, 
Um, nice, nice. I would say it's of no use, but I was actually at, um, okay, it, it's closed now, but there was a VHS uh, store, like an underground one, that also would host like literary events and everything here. It was called oh, Analog. Cool. Yeah, no permits for it, so occasionally the city would come and just shut that shit down. But you could rent VHSs there. And last time I was there, I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going get, to get some. And the guy who runs it, he's a producer, Joe Swamberg, he was just like here. And he just gave me a couple. And I was just like, shit, I forgot I don't have a VCR. <laughs> oh, no. I mean. But I was I... wrong. I apparently did. Like, we went into oh. storage. And I was like, well, what do you know? Why the <laughs> hell did I keep that? That's perfect. That's amazing. Yeah, I have like a little, a little screen, but it's huge desk, like a little mini box TV with a VCR in it, and I use it to like hook up uh, my Nintendo 64 and uh, my Sega Genesis because like I have a different TV, obviously, but I'm like, this is the vibes. Like it needs to be paired with this. It just has to. <laughs> I'm gonna say because like then the, came the learning curve where I didn't realize that you know a VCR can't be plugged into, like, the typical TV like I have now. Like, you have to Ooh. get an adapter. Oh, okay. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. <laughs> like, here, I was trying to, like, clean up a dust-ridden VCR, and I'm just like, hey, I've got this really new but actually terrible <laughs> VHS. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, hey, it was all good. I got to watch a very staticky, pixelated version of it. Hey, it works. On my very big TV, and I was just like, this was not made for that kind of screen. <laughs> nope. It's, you get the impression. It's the surreal version. <laughs> it's definitely like saying, like, if I ever have kids, I'm going to make them watch that. So you'd be mm -hmm. like, hey, you know, VHSs are coming back in the same way that records began coming back, like, mm -hmm. a decade, two decades ago. When are we going to say that records started coming back? I want to say a decade ago, because if you say two decades ago, then I wouldn't remember that. <laughs> well, if we say two decades ago, it's 2023, so we're just jumping to 2003. Okay, okay, I would remember that. That's why. I, I, I know. It fucks with no, us, because we it, don't want to admit yeah. we're that old, and we keep forgetting time yeah. issues, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, it's always weird. I teach college students, and they'll be... And they were all born, like, well into the 2000s. I'm like, that's not real. Oh, <laughs> do you ever real. get to fuck with them and be like, hey, I'm older than Google? <laughs> I have not. I have not yet. Um, Blow their minds. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember I um, taught, like, a college class at a high school, and the high school teacher who ran, actually ran that class was making this presentation, and she had put in, I forget what it was, like a high school musical slide and they were all like that's such an old movie i'm like what high school what? musical yeah. oh it's like uh, it's so childlike to make me groan but also be like this is old for you yeah it, it was so weird we started like quizzing them on all these different things like have you seen this have you heard of that like what what is happening <laughs> i think you probably have to start like every like semester with new classes and be like i just need to get a lay of the you know, groundwork. What do, what do you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't seem like the weirdest, like... I, I, I've had a conversation with an 18-year-old recently. I realize that there's a lot they just don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I will never forget, I was working on a film set one time, and it was in this old abandoned newspaper room, and we were just kind of, like, looking through all the stuff that had been left in the desks, and there was a floppy disk, and the one girl was turning 16, and this was, like... Oh, please so say that she just said, hey, it's a save button? Yes. She, that is, we, she didn't know what it was. She's like, it looks like a save button, and we were just, <laughs> we were dying. I'm like, no. See, the fun thing, though, about this generation is that they don't know, well, they are aware of, but they don't know a world where records weren't being used. Mm -hmm. That's true. That is true. Yeah, like, when we were growing up, we were all, like, I'll admit, cassettes for a brief amount of time, but then CDs and stolen MP3s. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you paid for them, you, you were just obviously a trust funder. I don't think I ever paid for an MP3. I remember, I don't remember what they were called, but I had those, like, little things that you would put in a little chip and it would play, like, 30 to seconds of a song. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what that was called, but that was, like, middle school, like, early middle school, I think I had those. And they were the coolest things. <laughs> okay, I think we're going to have to go for, I always hate asking people, but I always eventually do. How old are you? 28. Oh, damn it. Okay, so you're younger than me still. So, okay, I, I was in high school around that time. Okay. I'm, I'm 33. Okay, not too bad, not too bad. Not too bad, I'm but it's like, well, it's like you say middle school, and I'm just like, it feels like high school for me. <laughs> Sorry. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I have that situation with my students because I had some students who came to school, like, after, after taking breaks after high school and I never want them to know how old I am because I'll be like I'm only three years older than you like I should not be teaching you (laughs) this feels wrong (laughs) see I never want to jinx it and suddenly be like oh you do look older than you are but most people don't actually think I'm 33 like if they look at me like if you Mm -hmm. see me next to most people because I'm short and I don't dress like Mm -hmm. a quote-unquote adult no one would really gauge that (laughs) from my appearance (laughs) Yeah, I never, I never ask my students how old they think I am because I'm like, I really don't want to know. Like, I, honest, I honestly would almost want them to say older than I am than, like, younger Aww. than I am. Just because Wait till I would you hit 30. Really, yeah. <laughs> Once you hit 30 and then someone says, you look like you're 23, you're going to love it. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> And I will brag and say that's happened recently, but I've noticed that it's been coming closer to 24 and 25 lately. So. Ah, creeping up there, but still, still good. <laughs> good enough where I could just kind of be like that Steve Buscemi meme. <laughs> How's it going, fellow kids? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so when I said I was going to come back to uh, yeah. music and everything... <laughs> Now, this is actually going to be, like, I don't know. It, it frustrates me when people ask me this about my writing, but I'm going to put you on the spot because I had cool. to do it for my book because, hey, we wrote about music here, so you mm-hmm. had to be prepared. You're going to have to do two playlists on me right now, but the first one is what would the soundtrack be for this? Okay. So I actually made a playlist <laughs> for yes. this. See, um, you came prepared. 
I did. I gotta find it because it's a weird combination because I mostly pulled songs that are actually from the book, um, just because I think they represent like the two owners, Dawn and Gail. Um, but then I also threw some songs that are more of like my taste that I think represent Lane, and that's just me imposing my music taste on him. <laughs> hey, we all do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so how many songs do you want for? Hey, throw them all out at me, unless it's like 50. There's 27. So. Okay, no, that's cool. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, we can do a few. Some will sound really random, and those are just me, like, throwing my own taste in there. Um, but I think I think the song that, like, most rec- represents the book, like, overall, is um, Wolf Like Me by uh, Lear Lynn and Shovels and Rope. I adore that song. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite songs. Um Bones by Ben Howard, uh, Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult, um, Lateralus by Tool. Tool is my taste, not the book's taste. <laughs> um, let's see, Bare Hands by Dakota, uh, Stable Song by Gregory Allen Iskoff. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. That sounds accurate. Uh, yeah. Uh, Wolves by Down Like Silver, uh, Shake Off Your Flesh by the huntress and this is cutting off what do you say and something else is cutting off huntress and holder of hands long title that's why it was cutting off um let's see a couple songs by janice ian uh between the lines teen symphony um bright lights and another thing that was cutting off on me, so <laughs> something <laughs> um of course animal fear by marika hackman uh, Before I Sleep, Skin, Let Me In, all by her as well. Um, a song called Sane by Fear of Men. Hasta um, La Raiz by Natalia Lafacadon. I'm not sure if I'm saying her last name right. Uh, Lavender Moon by Harula Rose. And then by Cat Power, there's Werewolf, Fool, Speak For Me, and I Don't Blame You. And then Kay Gardner, there's Moonflow and Luna Moon, Luna Muse. And last, I Wish I Was the Moon by Nico Case. Interesting. Very good. I would say mm-hmm. hipstery. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going with that. I mean, that's the vibe I'm getting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So now I'll say, what music were you listening to while you wrote it? So I'll make this up because I actually write in silence. That's all right. <laughs> I do not listen to music when I write. Um, sometimes, but it has to be a song. I like know like the back of my hand. Otherwise, it'll distract me. Um, but yeah, listening to while writing that. Probably. It could be like whatever inspired it, what you were listening to beforehand. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, again, Wolf Like Me by Lara Lynn. Listen to that constantly. I'm obsessed with it. Um, Annie Hosier. I love Hosier. So, for sure. I listen to Tool a lot as well. Um, Bad Flower as well. I'm just naming artists because there's, like, any song. <laughs> He's doing, like, a catch-all of, like, what, what's my music taste? Yeah, yeah. I could, like, name specific things. Like, the acoustic version of Ghost by Bad Flower is a song I literally have on a playlist, like, four times because I love it. Um there's like a closeness by Dermot Mc- Dermot Kennedy, uh, Hallucinogenics by Matt Mason, um, Little Black Submarine by the Black Keys, of course, love it. 
um, Fleetwood Mac, The Chain. Um, I love that song. It sounds like you're listening to your parents have an argument. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> honestly. Um, but yeah, I listen to a lot of like folk music, like indie folk music, and then also like rock, I, I, different versions of rock, I guess. If you get into like Tool, Blue Oyster Cult, uh, Stone Sour, that kind of stuff. Um, so, a little bit of everything, I guess. <laughs> so, why did you feel the need to do a bit more of, like, obviously a bit more of a, I, I wouldn't say obscure, but niche kind of music that you did for the playlist of the book versus, like, what you li- listen to typically? Yeah, so when I was figuring out what to put into the book, cause there are a lot of different artists and songs named in the book, I wanted to use exclusively um, queer and or female artists when including what music plays in the book, uh, just because I felt very right for them, very right for the shop. And also a little softer, like listening to Kay Gardner, Gardner, for example, like things that are a little hippie-ish, but like a little classy. Mm. is how I describe it in my head. Um, it felt very much what those two characters, Don and Gail, would listen to. And then we got into more folk music when it turns to October and we get into the Halloween era to make things a little spookier, a little more, like, haunting, creepy. I think at one point I literally looked up um, gay werewolf songs <laughs> trying to figure out... <laughs> like what to include in here I'm pretty sure I have like a few different like queer Halloween playlists that I took things from (laughs) so that's how that could you not have shared that on like Twitter around Halloween (laughs) I would have listened to that I can try to like I can try to find it I'm sure there's somewhere in my browser history (laughs) you know in my apartment it's still Halloween so I will listen to that (laughs) yes it is always Halloween in my life (laughs) like seriously I still have everything except Oh, my God, I just realized that my dead pumpkin is gone. That had to be removed without my knowledge. (laughs) I saw it yesterday. (laughs) I once kept a pumpkin for, like, a year and a half. It was a little tiny white one that I got in college. I'm like, dorm pumpkin. And then it survived. It did not get rotten for, like, almost two years later. So it stayed. (laughs) It was a thing where with this pumpkin, it went bad really quickly. And I was like, what did we do? And my husband actually did the really, like, we carved it this time. That's what we did. And I was just like, all right, yeah. We we tore out its insides and put a funny face on it. Understood. <laughs> might might some, have some effect. <laughs> just a little bit. But it actually started to look more like the uh, intro to the last Halloween movie, where it's, like, just slowly, like, going down. Like, ah, poor pumpkin. Mm. Method acting pumpkin. <laughs> I know. I almost want to be like, hey, there's Halloween. Here's my Halloween. All together. Yes. <laughs> but no, definitely share that playlist. I, I'm here for it. I'll find it. I will look it up. <laughs> I know. I, I'm just going to be waiting after this podcast and be like, I have not received it yet. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it, I'll, I'll say give me until the weekend. <laughs> I'll put a time frame on it. <laughs> All right, I'm annoying you on Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. You're more than welcome to. (laughs) So, 
I don't know about you, but when I write, a specific place tends to like come to mind, or else it's like, how did you envision this location or site? So like in my book, there's a hotel, and it is actually very heavily based off of a specific hotel, and the record store in my book is actually heavily inspired by a record store here in Chicago, even though it takes place in L.A., what was your record store based off of? What, was there an actual like place that kept coming to your mind when you were writing about it? Kind of, kind of. I wouldn't say there was a specific like record store because the the closest record store to where I live is inside of um, like this farmers market and it's super crowded. So that did kind of inspire it as far as like the organization, the types of people who would walk in and out. Um, just for that sake, but the actual, when I picture the building, when I picture the layout, I picture this, um, comic store that I used to go to in Bethlehem, and they've since shut down, it makes me so sad, because I was slowly, slowly buying all of the Dragon Ball Z manga, um, obviously not enough to keep them afloat, no, I know, (laughs) um, but yeah, I picture that store when it comes to, like, the actual layout of the store, the street view, um, and just for the atmosphere, because the town it takes place in, in the book it mentions, like, this town, the YMCA in the area, the drive-in theater, and those are all real places based off of real places. So I'm just picturing the road leading up to the theater, and there's this, like, bend of houses on the right-hand side, and on the left-hand side there's, like, glass storefronts. So in my mind, I just kind of, like, pick it up and plop it there, <laughs> like this comic store from a different town, and replace it with records. No, it's <laughs> and that's perfect. my weird way of conceptualizing it. No, it definitely sounds like... One of my first apartments was actually by a comic store or mm-hmm. yeah, comic shop, and it looked actually just like a record store. So I was like, it, it definitely has the same vibe in the interiors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like any store you have where it's like one very specialized thing, you get just the shelves like jam-packed with all of these things that impossible to find unless you know exactly where it is. So... That's why I like going to the really obscure places where, like, you're not actually going to find anything you're looking for. Something's mm-hmm. going to find you instead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is 100% how I search for records. Like, if there's a record that I really want from an artist that just put it out, like, I'll probably order it online from their website, whatever. But when I go to a record store, I'm just going to look through and pick something. Like, whatever jumps out, that's what I'm getting. I literally bought a record the other day just because it had Rasputin on the cover. Yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, it ended up actually being by a band that I got really into called Insecure Men. And I was like, oh. damn it. They ended up being a good band. I thought it was going to be like beer when you buy, like, <laughs> based off the appearance. And you're like, this is not what I expected. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely. Instead, I turned I on the Rasputin record. And I was like, these vibes are hitting. Yes. I love that. (laughs) What is, like, the last, like, do you make those kind of, like, leaps with records, like, where it's, like, I I don't know it, I'm just going to give it a try? Mm, Yes. I can't say, let me, I have one on my shelf right here, I'm going to pull it out and see what it is, because it's probably one of the last ones I picked up, just because it's out and easily accessible. Um... Well, no, that's that's Kansas. I knew Kansas beforehand, so that's not a surprising one. Um, what is this? I'm just looking at the front, and it's got a drummer with a smashed tomato, and it says, yes, tomato. 
See? So probably this one. <laughs> That's fine. I would do. I, I would look at that and be like, that looks so bizarre. I want it. Yes. Oh, it says yes to her motto. I can't read. It had a tomato on it, so that's why it was messing me up. It was so made to do one. that. <laughs> yep. Anyway, the band is Yes, which I have obviously like heard before, but that was probably a record that I just picked because of the cover. And yeah. <laughs> you know, it is one of those things where, you know, as a writer then, or a publisher as well, I will say, you know, you do sometimes... It's good to judge a book by its cover in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it draws your ass in. It could be the worst thing ever, as I said, like with beer. <laughs> Where it's like, mm-hmm. this is such a unique design. I need to try. And you're like, it's terrible. <laughs> so that's why it's yeah. good that your book actually has a good cover. Like, Yes, yes, I love it. I love it. And it's such like, I know I should pick the, like, love the cover because of the book style, but it's just like my style personally too um and i love everything about it <laughs> so would you ever do an audiobook of this totally totally i feel like i don't have a very good voice for reading like maybe maybe people disagree i i don't think so <laughs> but i, think I like given enough takes and everything anyone anyone could do it yeah 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 totally i know I for sure know I did many takes and I edited that recording of the reading I sent to you before I sent it. <laughs> um, there were a few takes smashed into that one. <laughs> Don't but. worry. I've had weirder ones sent to me. <laughs> I had That's one person good. actually send me two and they're like, can you just edit these two together? I fucked it up at the, like one part. So just edit it. <laughs> So I was just, like, listening. I was like, where's the edit going to need to happen? Because I was thinking it's just going to be, like, a fuck up of words or anything. But then I just heard, mm-hmm. fuck. <laughs> and then I'm just addressing how many takes. And they're like, I'm so sorry. I'm going to try again. <laughs> oh, no. I, I understand. I definitely, I definitely cursed a lot when I read that section, too, like, myself. But that's the good thing about having, like editing experiences i can just send you the nice version you don't have to know about all of the other versions until we talk about it right now um. exactly because <laughs> i yeah. i'm that person who would be like ah oh, fuck i say horrible things <laughs> when i'm recording i say horrible mm-hmm. things on textual healing before people get on <laughs> <laughs> no no i mm, i curse a lot i do i do that anytime i'm alone really like when I'm writing I talk to myself when I'm writing and a lot of it is just cursing (laughs) for no reason um but yeah so I if anyone's ever around while I'm writing and I really get in the zone like I'm in a Starbucks it's not gonna happen but if I'm like in the zone and someone walks into my room they're gonna they're gonna hear some shit (laughs) like what's going on in there I'm afraid (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly so yeah, long story short, yes to the audiobook. <laughs> it, it might take a while. <laughs> Are you the kind of person who would like actually try and like get like the music vibe that you put out there and like kind of have that like going along with the audiobook or would you do like straight vocals? Hmm. I know I that know. question I just pulled out of my ass right there. <laughs> yeah, I honestly I feel like it would need music vibe, like vocals absolutely, but I feel like the music would help because a lot of the times, like, I'm really long-winded when I write, and sometimes I feel like the interjections and all of the phrasing, it takes a lot to get it to sound natural reading it. 
mm-hmm. like I have to rehearse it a lot to make it sound natural. And I feel like having some sort of like music or underlying something to make it cohesive would really help kind of like bridge that gap of like, why are we circling back to something you said 30 seconds ago? <laughs> like, I don't know. I just feel like it would help. <laughs> is there anything like in your writing that is very different than the way that you actually speak? So like when you're reading it, you'd be like, oh, I would never talk like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we did recently on Friday the 13th, we had a reading, October the 13th, we had a reading event, it's kind of like a launch party for it. And a few of my friends were sitting in the audience reading along. They had their copies. They were following along in it. So they were reading it. And they were like, you didn't read that. I'm like, no, I didn't. I made it up because it sounds awkward reading it. And I wasn't about to read it. And it's such just purely a matter. Like, it's not, I don't, it's not something that would catch my attention actually sitting down and reading it silently. It's just that saying it, phrasing it, like, doesn't come naturally. And if I'm doing a reading for someone or if I'm, um, in front of an audience, I want it to sound natural, and I would rather just like improv a word or two than struggle to keep true to the source material. See, I have that like really frustrating situation where like I feel like I almost have to like match the like voice inflections that like the characters oh, okay. would say mm-hmm. and everything, and I can't do it because like mm-hmm. I'll, my characters will just be like doing like a random like all right whatever whatever, and then they'll like have a fucked up thing just jump out. And it's like, oh, no, I can't record that. People are going to think it's fucking crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I, I do get that. I remember when I was debating what section to read out loud for the 13th thing, um, I definitely debated because there was one section later in the book, and I'm like, this is going to give way more away, but there's really no dialogue, <laughs> so I don't feel pressured to, like, imitate voices. Um and I was like, literally, I feel like I have to do voices <laughs> if I'm reading dialogue. Um, and I didn't. Like, I tried to do different intonation to differentiate between characters. But, um, like, there's a section in this book where Lane is practicing, like, his greeting because he got the job at the record store. And he wants to make sure that, like, his voice is masculine enough and deep enough. So he's, like, practicing lowering his voice and, like... I generally have a pretty high-pitched voice, and if I do that, I'm going to start coughing in the middle and not be able to continue. So that was, like, something I'm like, we're going to just try a little bit and then not. It would be funny to hear you read that, though, like, (laughs) trying to do that. I mean, the the scene cuts off with him going into a coughing fit, so, you know, it It, it would work. work. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) For sure. But, yeah, I definitely get the voice pressure. I'd much rather... I like reading poetry better because there's not really voices, so I can just do whatever I want with it. I mean, po- poetry is perfect because it usually is your voice. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. it's really hard to just be like, oh, I would not talk like that. It's like, no, you wrote exactly, typically, <laughs> how you do talk. Meanwhile, when you're writing, like, in someone else's, like, personality and, like, the way they think, it's suddenly like, I would never say that word. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I would never get so like pretentious and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I feel like my style of writing when we get into the narration is pretty casual. Like I don't think it's too. Oh, it gets overwrought sometimes, but like generally pretty casual. So when it comes to the narration, other than some trippy sentence structure stuff, like I'm fine reading it. But dialogue, like 
I don't talk how these two elderly women talk. Like, I just don't. So it, it sounds weird. Um, but yeah, anytime I write in first person, I don't like writing in first person. But I'm working on something now that's first person, and this, like, this character just curses, like, every other word. And I'm just like, oh, that'd be the what? best audiobook. Honestly, I love it. I really kind of love it, just like throwing in curse words every other second. And I'm like, it's perfect for this character. Um, but yeah, I feel like if I ever had to read it, I just feel like I feel so self-conscious <laughs> about this. Even though, I, granted, I do curse a lot, but not quite that much. <laughs> I, I, I curse all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it came to a point where like in therapy once, I actually had to ask my therapist. I was like, oh, fuck, I'm sorry. I did it again. And... <laughs> That's when I realized that we built a good trust when she's like, I don't give a fuck. Keep going. <laughs> That's great. That's I was like, great. There we go. Yeah. We, we can swear. <laughs> yeah. I admit, I was like, when I was in college, I had some professors who were like, we do not curse in this class. And then other pres- yeah. professors who like curse like sailors. Um, and I'm the type of professor who's like, I'm going to curse. You can curse. I don't care. Because <laughs> like, like, just don't I just piss don't. me off or offend anybody. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I know it's going to slip out because technology hates me. I'm up here trying to show a freaking PowerPoint. I'm like that professor who can't make the projector work. Um, but, like, it's going to happen. We might as well set the ground rules. And, like, I'm not holding you to a higher standard than I hold myself. You're free to do what you want. I could never be a teacher. I'd be terrible at it. <laughs> I never thought I would. <laughs> Definitely not where I thought I'd be. But I like it. I don't know if I'm good at it or not, but I like it. <laughs> Well, let's just say you are good at it, because you never want to ask the, like, jackasses whether you are or not. <laughs> You're True. just going to find out right away, like, whether they, like, got a good grade or not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. I'm a shitty professor. C-minus <laughs> asshole. <laughs> but, no, I actually originally studied to be a professor, and then I was just oh, like, nice. this isn't for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That and also, like, the issue where I looked very young and it was very awkward. Mm-hmm. What do you teach? Because I was going to be a history professor. Oh, nice. Yeah, I teach um, writing and literature, so English. Fun times. I also teach, um, like, in the spring, I'm teaching a cinema class as well. Um, I'd be here for that. I, I would join <laughs> that class. Yeah, it, it's got one seat left. It's almost full. <laughs> Um, oh, I'm so yeah. going to show up randomly. <laughs> <laughs> and you won't amazing. even know it's me because I'm really good at blending in. <laughs> amazing. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's kind of, I slightly stole this class from a class I took in undergrad. Um, it's about the history of cell phone cinema and how mm. like camera phones are being used in like actual professional films now and looking at the progression of like where they started from. The very first one was, like, a flip phone camera film shot in South Africa in, like, the early 2000s to, like, now you have Soderbergh shooting films on cell phones. Um, Yeah, they get to make their own film on their phones and stuff like that. I think it's going to be fun. (laughs) I think it sounds fun, too. I want to go back Mm -hmm. to college. (laughs) I like like teaching those classes. They're more fun. I also teach, like, EN 101, and that's not fun. It's one of those things where, like, it's impossible for them to hate you when it's one of those classes. Mm -hmm, (laughs) It's like, mm -hmm. how can you dislike the professor who's teaching you fun shit about cell phone videos? (laughs) 
Yeah, right? I, you gotta I mean, be I that asshole so. in Scream 6 to be that, you know. <laughs> Have you seen Scream 6? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. you gotta be that yeah. douchebag. You'd be like, oh, she didn't like the way my perspective on slasher films. <laughs> no. Wow. Hopefully, you'll, you know, obviously, the rules. Don't answer a phone. Don't go in alleys. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know your mm-hmm. rules. Not that I think there are any rules of cell phone videos, are there? <laughs> Not not really. They tend to be more transgressive than classic films, but that's about it. <laughs> See, now I just, yeah, I, I'm almost going to, like, ask you, like, <laughs> I'm just going to keep messaging you random cell phone shit now. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God, yes. I love it. I love it. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's really interesting. I love doing film things because, like, I went to college for film and English, and then I actually worked in... Um, like indie film all throughout college and I worked in television after college until I was like I love this but like I didn't feel like I had the passion for it like to do the kind of boring jobs that paid money long enough to get to do the creative jobs Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so I was like let me go back to school and went back to school got my master's and ended up teaching English so it's really nice to get back to film because I feel like I've spent so much time in the English world I'm like I miss making movies so, do you think you would ever like make a movie based off of the books you wrote? Oh, hell yeah! <laughs> no, that would be amazing. I feel like this might this might sound really really arrogant, but I feel like my books read like they'd make good films. Oh, um, I think that too with my writing too. So don't worry, we're all there. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, but yeah, I actually like aside from middle school, early high school writing, like I mostly started out writing in like screenplays um I wrote screenplays professionally before I wrote like prose or anything um so I kind of learned how to write on screenplays and stage plays and scripts and then relearned how to write prose for like short stories fiction that kind of thing um so I feel like I borrow really really heavily from the style of script writing in my prose writing like I don't I don't like getting characters caught up in their heads for too long I don't like um, mind reading, like, it's pretty much just action dialogue, a little tiny bit of reflection, but, like, mostly action dialogue, and I feel like that plays well on film, and, I don't know, I would love to see a film made of this, like, that'd be fantastic, or any of the things that I've made, I think that'd be so cool. I think it'd be cool. hmm Oh, you should ask Josh to, like, make a whole section of 30 West, like, films, that'd be really great. That would be Like, a awesome. production company. Mm-hmm. He's got enough time on his hands, it looks like. <laughs> sure. <laughs> now, nah, I'd help out with that. I'd help out with that. I still have, I still have all my equipment. Hey, I'd fly I out to Pennsylvania. I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> <Be> perfect. <laughs> so, there were other sections of the book where I was just like, this is kind of random. Like, I'm sure, like, you yeah. read books and everything. You're like, I wonder, like, why they mention this weird place and you're like not a lot Mm -hmm. of people think about it why did i'm like maybe flipping around you speak about turkey a lot so where'd (laughs) that come from (laughs) that came two things with that one is i don't say taken two no no (laughs) definitely not um one i just love turkey like the place I, i kind of started teaching myself the language um I love the culture, the history, all that. So that's just, like, me loving it. But the reason 
specifically that it's in this book is because I really wanted to kind of like give a nod to like the very, very, very first mention of werewolf lore. And historically, the first like mentioned depiction of a werewolf um, came from this specific area in Mesopotamia. And that translates to like modern day Turkey. So rather than picking a random place like, oh, there are werewolves in London or whatever, I was like, let's pick the place where it was first depicted, like historically and like writing art, whatever the depiction was. So just the historical nod there. It, it's a bonus that I just kind of love Turkey, <laughs> but mostly history there. God, I'm sorry. Like there are like so many different like segues in my own mind, cause personal life, <laughs> where I just be like, I know one Turkish word, Meraba. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my husband's family is Turkish. Oh. <laughs> and his sister's actually like quite annoying, cause she's like, I'm a gypsy now, and I actually am just like, please go away. <laughs> And I uh, oh, no. even tried. I was like, you, 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 "That's actually like not a cool thing. Like a white person can't just say they're a gypsy." Gypsy, and she was just like, "Well, I'm no. from Turkey," and I was just like, "Please explain that logic." <laughs> Don't think that makes it better. Yeah, she kept <laughs> insisting it made it better and everything. And then afterwards, for my like horror podcast, I was watching The Wolfman. And I was just like, "See, gypsies are like the Romani people and everything." And then mm-hmm. you say like wolf lore in Turkey, and I was like, "That." Bitch, we're giving her an excuse to say that she's a gypsy now. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to contribute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I have, like, really, really silly reasons for, like, being interested in Turkey and, like, learning Turkish. I just, there's this historical drama on Netflix um, that I, like, fell into the hole of in undergrad. And the subtitles were awful. They would change, like, spellings. They would change words for, like, phrases that audibly are exactly the same. And it annoyed me so much, I just started learning Turkish because I hated the subtitles. But then also started to reach, like, actual, like, research actual culture. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. (laughs) But, yeah, it started for very silly reasons. (laughs) I wish that I learned it. (laughs) Because, like, I have to go now almost, like, once a year to see his family. And, like, he speaks it fluently and shit, and then suddenly, like, they'll go off on it, and I'm just like, okay, mm. I could speak other languages, not that one. No, <laughs> Just, like, convince them to teach you. Like, that's oh, your job. They, they've tried. You know, oh. he's like, here's Duolingo. I lose interest so easily, because I know other mm-hmm. languages. Yeah, yeah. My problem is I, I, I'm interested in too many different languages that it's hard for me to stick with one to learn them and so I get like decently far and then I just like switch to a different one and then I I will do Duolingo occasionally and like I kind of sort of speak Spanish and I'll be doing that and my brain will just glitch and I'll be like why is this telling me it's wrong and I'm trying to write the word like sentence in Turkish not Spanish like like, oh We need, like, a Cyrano de Bergerac situation happening between us. You could be the communicator. You tell me what to say. <laughs> and I'll trust blindly into whatever you're saying. Oh, God, don't do that. <laughs> that would be bad. You know, you just try and, like, traipse around Turkey and have a lot of people throwing that language at you, and the only thing you know how to say is hello. <laughs> that would be hard. 
really hard. And I have sadly, like, I did a whole month of that. <laughs> and then just, like, Google that. Translate, hoping, like, I think I know what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wish you all the best in the future. <laughs> May the odds be ever in my favor. <laughs> yes. I need to learn if I ever have kids that I know that because mm-hmm. they'll mm-hmm. know the language and I'll, I need to know if they're talking shit about me. <laughs> useful, useful skill. It is. <laughs> but I mean, you know, my siblings and I, we learn different languages just to annoy our very American parents. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's a fair reason. Spite is a good reason for anything. <laughs> I mean, it's the best motivator ever. I mean, yeah. what made it motivated you to write this? Please tell me it's spite. Is there spite in this book? There's a bit of spite. There's a bit of spite. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Um, Mostly, probably mostly because, like, where I live, I live very, very close to where this takes place. Um, Yeah, really, really conservative area. I'm not conservative. You're not? (laughs) No, could you ne- could you tell? Holy <laughs> fuck, get off my podcast. Right? <laughs> but uh, it's very, very vocal. Like, it, it's exactly like it says in the book. It's the type of area where, like, in an election, it's kind of, like, on the fence, red or blue, and I think it was blue last election. But if you look, like, if you look around at signs and you talk to people, you'd be shocked. Um, and it's kind of, like, spite at that, just people who are loud being like hatefully loud and it's like no there are like people who aren't like that who are just trying to live here so like fuck you <laughs> see i wouldn't have the patience for that <laughs> yeah i don't love it i would say thank god i'm in a democratic stronghold but i mean democrat is very loose in chicago <laughs> fair yeah fair. <laughs> they're, they're like neoliberal still racist and sexist and homophobic but you know They've wrote left. Mm. Yeah. It's one of those we don't yeah. really know why, but they do. <laughs> yeah. Those type of people are not very fun. <laughs> no, they're not. So, obviously, there's then a fair bit of you in this book. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, if we're, like, putting the writer into a certain character... I'm just going to take a leap here and say Lane, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that wasn't much of a leap, okay. It's not. (laughs) It's not. What could be a surprising leap is that one of the women is based off of my great aunt. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know your great aunt, so I wouldn't have... You don't. You don't, but (laughs) it's... Yeah, it's not a leap if you know her either. (laughs) It's like, exactly... See, that's, like, hard, though, because then, like, they buy your book, and they're like, who am I in this? <laughs> nah, nah, they, uh, they would not read it. <laughs> I mean, I, they'd buy it, would not read it. <laughs> so don't have to worry about that. <laughs> With my last book, I actually was proud of it, but I, like, had a lot of my family, like, complaints in it. <laughs> So, like, when my family is like, what'd you write about? I was like, you should, you should read it. You, you should find out. I might have talked shit about you. That drove up sales. Oh, nice. nice. And then a lot of hate. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a smart family um, pastime. We're good at that. 
<laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm really, like, super self-conscious of my family reading my writing. Like, partially because I live very near to all of my family. <laughs> See them on a regular basis. So it's like, we're going to have conversations about it. <laughs> um, but not all of my family. Most of them do not have the same views as I do. So it leads to some interesting awkwardness of like yeah that's well well written (laughs) thanks are they like the weird like thanksgiving family where you know to stay off certain subjects yeah (laughs) best of luck with that (laughs) it's it's all good it's all good (laughs) yeah my family's all over the place but we all kind of know like just swallow it you know we're good Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. let's not start Mm -hmm. a fight because we are loud irish actual fighters so (laughs) Let's not get too into something. Fair, fair. We are just we are just very quiet and passive aggressive. <laughs> oh my god, I'd love to see that kind of family. <laughs> it's awkward. It's very awkward very fast. Thankfully, we're usually pretty good. Everybody's pretty much on the same page except for me. So <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's me and my sister. We're on different pages than the rest of the family, but her and I are also on different pages, so Mm, it mm-hmm. doesn't work out perfectly. <laughs> where it's like, yeah. she's on a different page, I'm on a different page, and everyone else is like in a novel. Where they're like, everything <laughs> is okay. We're nice, upper-class lawyers who are in a really good family. And we're like, sure, this is a great family. <laughs> Our parents loved us. Okay, you tell <laughs> yourself that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's funny. So... I always have it when I write. Uh, I'm like, I secretly hope that somebody will get their hands on my book. Celebrity, friend, relative, whoever. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone that you're like praying gets their hands on this book? Hmm. I don't. Maybe. That sounds weird. Is there like wouldn't... a secret that like? No, no, no. I probably not any big dramatic thing but like I mentioned I used to work in indie film in college and like through that I worked with like the guy who produced Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 and the guy who made the Blair Witch, Pro- Blair Witch Project and like secretly in my mind I'm like maybe if like they find it because we're still Facebook friends like maybe if they get it and they like it they'll make it into a movie <laughs> And that's like the daydream, but <laughs> it would not happen. So here's what you do. You craft out a really great message as if you were sending it to someone else to pitch it to them. And then you send it to them. You're like, oh, shit, sent to the wrong person. That's a genius plan. <laughs> that's what I do if I accidentally drunk text somebody while hitting on them. Be like, I have no idea who got my phone. <laughs> This was supposed to be to somebody else. That's great. And for some reason, we've all decided as a society to believe that bullshit lie. Oh, yeah. Every, it happens to everybody. Everybody does it. You're like, it's oh, this wasn't meant for me? This horrible message? Okay. <laughs> of course not. Obviously not. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I secretly hope, because there are quite a few film peeps on my Twitter Oh my god, mm. I said peeps. That's so peak 2000. <laughs> you know. It's all good. 
I can't even say how many times I've said vibes this interview, and I'm like, God. <laughs> you kidding? I say vibes all the time, so it's cool. I, I don't know what the Gen Z folk say in place of it. I don't know. I'm sure they'll get answers <laughs> from, like, my nieces who listen to this, and they'll be like, oh, here, fill in the blank this. I remember, like, my niece was saying something was, like, chuggy or something, and I was like, what word are you coming up with? What bullshit is this? You guys are just trying to, like, toy with us. I have not heard that one. I, when I taught that high school class, I, there were some times I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, I feel old, what? <laughs> but like, I've not heard that one. <laughs> I would allow swearing, but I'd be like, but it has to be words that I know. I think you need to monitor the level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, be like, you know what? If I've never heard that one, write the definition on the board and then go sit down. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, you're Mm -hmm. allowed to say it. I just need to know what the hell you're saying. (laughs) I think that's a a good rule, for sure. You should start (laughs) all your classes off like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just, like, keep a running document of, like, words I don't know. Like, teach me your language. (laughs) Yeah, there actually are quite a few... (laughs) On TikTok that you could just keep following. Yeah, I'm a lurker on TikTok. I'll look at shit and be like, all right, Mm -hmm. I'm learning. (laughs) Yeah, I downloaded TikTok and I uploaded like one video and I haven't been there in ages. And I'm like, I I can't bring myself to be on TikTok. I don't like being on camera that much. Or like, I don't like just trying to figure out something to do to entertain people, not me. So the one video on my TikTok will forever be just, like, a montage of all the weird-ass mascots my undergrad had. <laughs> they look like demented rabbits on acid. It's wonderful. <laughs> but that's it. That should be your next book. <laughs> yes, just demented rabbits on acid. <laughs> I'd re- Wow, like, you can make such great horror movies. Honestly. Uh, you, should, you should look up the mascots. They would make amazing horror movies. <laughs> They're creepy as hell. <laughs> No, I, I did TikTok, one, just because I was very intrigued by it, like, during the pandemic. Because mm-hmm. that, that's what everybody was doing, so I did it, too. Yeah. I don't have a mind of my own. <laughs> but, no, then I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and promote my book on it. And I still don't know how the hell to use the algorithm. But I did have something. Does, like, 60,000 likes count as viral? <laughs> I would say so. It sounds viral to me. All right, I did a Stevie Nicks video that went viral. Nice, nice. Everything else, though, is one of those, like, I I don't know how to craft a personality that these people do. I'm just Mm -hmm. like, I come from the YouTube generation. We don't craft personas. We just throw shit out there randomly. (laughs) Right? Like, it's something you build up over time. Because, like, you know, like... I have a pro-Palestinian protest video on this one, and I'm, people are angry mm-hmm. that I posted that. And I'm like, and here's Stevie Nicks. And it's like, what are you doing on here? <laughs> yeah, I think I- I'm also, like, a very random person in, in that way. Like, I think if you scroll through my Twitter account even, you'll find, like, pro-Palestine posts and then, like, cute owls. <laughs> like, I-, I can't. I can't. Like... I can't stay on topic for that long. It doesn't work. Um, the most jarring TikTok experience I ever had was I went to, like, the Discover homepage right when I created the account, and the very first video that popped up was, like, one of those creating a video character where someone's just, like, 
doing different video game character poses, but it was someone I went to college with. And I'm like, why is this on, like, the most popular, like, Discover thing? I'm like, what? Darby, what What are you doing here? <laughs> um, it was very weird. Yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone I went to school with ended up being big in any way. So I actually liked that. I like owning that. Yeah, yeah. You're the one who went big. Yeah. And if mm-hmm. there was still such thing as high school reunions, I would not attend them so people would know how big I was. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't know if that is a thing that people do anymore. I have no idea, honestly. Gen no X idea. seemed to love them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know my grandmother just, like, organized her high school reunion. I don't know what year reunion it was. I don't remember, honestly. It was, like, a big number year something. I don't know. I think my mom high school still has them I don't know supposedly my 10 year high school reunion is supposed to be next year and I'm like I don't know if it even exists I don't really care honestly <laughs> mine but. came and went I'm not sure if it happened or not <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's like there's no one I really knew I didn't stay friends with any high school people so yeah Mm-hmm. And if there's yeah. one thing I learned about, like, if you end up, like, being bigger than everybody and you actually go to the reunion, it just isn't good. Oh, no. <laughs> My sister ended up being way more successful than all of her friends in high school. Mm-hmm. She went to her 20-year reunion. We have a big age gap. Did I mention we're Irish? <laughs> mm-hmm. She ended up getting kicked <laughs> out of her own reunion. Oh, my gosh. Someone got too arrogant and drunk. Oh, no. (laughs) I mean, that's one of those fun, smart family stories, though. It's like, hey, you remember when your dumbass got kicked out of a high school reunion? Good on you. (laughs) See? That's so funny. Our family's normal. (laughs) Yeah. I would not not have to worry about that. I went to high school with this guy who now does, like, album art and was on, like, for MTV and Britney Spears and all that and, like, was on an MTV show and I'm like he's the famous one like he and I are still friends but like he can take the attention I'm obviously nowhere close to that level of attention but in general I'm like no matter what I do he'll be the popular one so it'll be fine <laughs> like I, I don't want to like okay there are two people okay I don't even remember the name one was a youtuber though and he got really big but he's in jail now because he, you know, that fun problematic thing, I think he was grooming people or something. Mm. So, okay. <laughs> he was one of the famous ones. And then the mm. most famous person that ever came from my high school um, is uh, Billy Corgan. So, yeah. Smashing cool. Pumpkins, yeah. Nice. <laughs> but, you know, in Bumfuck, Illinois, that's really all you're going to get. It's <laughs> <Okay. laughs> funny. Yeah, I don't know that anyone, like, really, really famous ever came out of my high school. I know that Taylor Swift dated someone who used to go to my high school. <laughs> That's who about didn't it. she date? I mean, come Honestly. on. Honestly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've just been on a real long, like, hating on Taylor Swift rant lately. <laughs> <laughs> I am completely indifferent to Taylor Swift. I have no opinions. <laughs> See, that's a smart way to go. It really mm-hmm. is. Or else they'll come and get and get you. <laughs> like, 
Like, I thought yeah. that, like, that eras in the theater thing died down. And then when I went to go see uh, Priscilla yesterday, I could still hear people singing all too well, like, at the top of their lungs. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, my God, it's still happening. Oh, no. If I, honestly, even if I did want to go see that, I would be so annoyed if people did that. Like, what? No, I'm just like, I'm at another auditorium, and I could hear you people. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Whilst um, knowing that, like, we have tickets to go see it next week. <laughs> Amazing. You better sing at the top of your lungs. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> if I do, I'll post videos. <laughs> good, good. Of all the other teenagers. You know, you all imagine that they're teenagers, but a lot of them are just our age. who are mm-hmm. very crazy, crazy people. Just handing out friendship bracelets. I don't know where that came from, but that they all have that. If you go into a women's bathroom at a movie theater and you see friendship bracelets, just don't even go see your movie. Just go somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) See, I took us to Taylor Swift to sign really negative. I'm I'm great at that. And you totally went Switzerland on Taylor Swift. Good for you. Yeah, that's my stance. That's my stance. I don't, I don't stay neutral that much, but Taylor Swift is one of them. <laughs> it's just like, you know, you, you do you, and I'm going to pretend that I don't dislike anything. Go for it. <laughs> there are lots of things I dislike. <laughs> so. I tend to just not say it, just so I can't get any hate from anybody, because even if I say, like, a tiny opinion, people will be like, what the hell did you just say? And Twitter gets scary mm. then. Fair. So... Is there anything else that you would like to share about your book before we get going? Mm, I don't know. I feel like the story of what inspired it would be funny, if you want to hear it. Hell yeah. See, that's a question (laughs) I didn't even think to ask. Go on. No worries. So, um, it was Twitter. Something on Twitter inspired it that I thought was kind of funny. I was scrolling through and, like, following a lot of, like, art accounts that just post, like, historical artwork whatever and there was this one painting and it was titled uh Les Lobos which is obviously the wolves my brain read LES as like lesbian so I'm like lesbian wolves like what so I looked at this photo and I'm like why is that called that it took me like five minutes to realize like oh (laughs) that is not what they meant um but yeah so then I was just talking to one of my friends and about it and I'm like but what if actually lesbian wolves or like (laughs) lesbian werewolves um and then we got a a whole conversation about like hypersexualization of werewolves specifically like hyper masculine versus like the trick-or-treat werewolf where it's like super like seductress hyper feminine um and I'm like but what if they were elderly and just like little grandma wolves (laughs) (laughs) And that is the story of what inspired it. But I'm just like, I don't know. I just think it's kind of funny, like, misreading a tweet for lesbian wolves. I mean, end up here. That, that's where the best things come from. Honestly. <laughs> All right. So, le- lesbian werewolves. Um, you said you're working on something else. Can you tell me what it is, or are we still not jinxing it? Yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries. It's just drafting drafting stage I always have like a million different projects at once which is not good I don't like doing that we we do that (laughs) (laughs) so 
Yeah, the one I'm actually, like, writing right now is um, kind of, like, mm, I, I jokingly call it Make Hot Rods Gay Again. I don't know if they were ever gay, but in my head they were. <laughs> so it's just essentially um, about this guy who's kind of, it, it's kind of similar to this one, I guess, like, had a falling out with his family, trying to figure it out. Um but, like, through the vehicle of, like, hot rod culture and, like, especially where I am, like, hot rod culture is very much, like, where you'll find more conservative groups of people. Um, but as someone who, like, grew up in hot rod culture and, like, motorcycle shows and all of that, and I'm like, I love that. I don't love going there and seeing, like, Confederate flags and Trump flags, but I love going to the bike shows generally. Um so it's kind of like reconciling that, like, this is what he loves, but, like, it's not, a, like, a group of people who, like, readily accept who he is, um, reconciling that with, like, who his family is, all that fun stuff. It's not anything like what I really write. Again, it's first person. It's quote-unquote literary fiction, I guess. I don't... I, I like genre. I like fantasy. I like horror. I like speculative, so... It's taking ages because I don't like writing it, but I want to write it. And that's pretty much how it's going. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I, I didn't even know that there is something like hot rod culture, so you've already caught my interest. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been interesting because, like, I don't, I don't like, obviously don't like writing about um, cultures that I don't know, but you can't write about the American hot rod without writing about low rider culture and, like, Cuban and Puerto Rican culture. So I'm, like, trying to strike a balance of, like, including that without, like, over-including it, because it's, like, not where I come from. That's not something I know a ton about. But I'm, like, I can't write about hot rod culture without the nods to that, because that's just not how it exists. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. I, I, like, I like hot rods, motorcycles. They're, they're fun times. I'm breaking on restoring this car right now. So, good okay, times. <laughs> I really hope yeah. that I get a chance to read that, yeah. Hopefully, me too. I hope so too. I gotta read it first. <laughs> Just like, you know, pour out that first, first draft, even though it's <laughs> frustrating at times, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it's helpful that it, that's the main character who curses every other word, because I can just be annoyed at the draft and write it into it. draft, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Take all the frustration out on the book. Honestly, that's, that's what writing is. You just dump your trauma and anger into it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and you just titled the episode right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't noticed that I come up with, like, the weirdest titles, it's usually a sign that was said in the I love episode. it. <laughs> love that. <laughs> So, is there anything else anyone should be looking out for for your writing? Shit mm. like that? I just don't think I really have anything coming out in the future right now. Um, I've, I've Obviously, this just came out. Um, Will you be doing I, any events? Also, not really. <laughs> My life is kind of at a standstill. I had a bunch of stuff coming out. I'm kind of just working for right now. The most recent thing I had... Um, 
come out on November 7th. I had a poem in the Under Her Eye poetry anthology that just came out. So that's cool. Um, I write poetry sometimes. I have a love-hate relationship with it. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I've been submitting a poetry chapbook recently, but I'm like, well, hope people like it. I don't know if I like it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, nothing right now. I need to write more. My problem is that I'm more of like a long form writer. I write, like writing long things, but they're harder to get published. <laughs> so I need to write more short things, and then you'll see more short things. <laughs> it's because people have very short attention spans. Think TikTok. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I, I, I love short stories. I mean, they're fun to write. I just, I get carried away. I, I like the ideas too much, and then I'm like, nope, nope, this has to be a book now. I, I can't say bad of it yet. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> have to keep expanding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, and do you have a website that people could see your stuff on? Yeah, totally. So I have, like, my personal website. It's not fancy. It's a free WordPress website, so it's literally just my name, sarahedmonds.wordpress.com. Eventually, I will pay for a domain, but today is not that day. Um, and then if they want, they can also check out the magazine that my friends and I run. Uh, for Page and Screen magazine. Um, I think that's dot blog, I think. Um, but yeah, we publish short fiction, films, scripts, all that fun stuff. And that's been fun. That's been something that's been neat for getting to know people and kind of see the other side of it. So... That's cool. That's it. my little plug. <laughs> no, I really do. I, I'm going to check that out for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's been a fun time. We're currently, we just closed for uh, submissions on our fifth issue. So this is our second, second year, third year being open. One of the two. So we're still super new, super new. I'm grateful for everybody who takes a chance with us, but yeah. So I'll be working on editing that and putting it together soon. That is going to take up most of my time um, in the next few months. But other than that, hopefully fun stuff in the future. Yeah, hopefully. All right, so I'm going to let you go. You get to hang out with your cat. I'm going to go hang out with mine, who's just like, <laughs> open the goddamn window now. So... <laughs> I think mine has left me. I do not see her, so oh, I gotta go hunt her down. <laughs> Someone else in the house probably fed her, so she abandoned me as soon as she got food. Oh, mine <laughs> would do that too if that was the case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds good. It's been really great talking to you. All right, that was Sarah Edmonds. Order a copy of Late Night at Full Moon Records from Thirty West now. And check out Sarah's Twitter at Sarah E. Edmonds. Check the show notes for all the proper spellings and links. As always, please check out our Twitter at PodHealing and take a look at our website, textualpodcast.com. Show us love and support by going on to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review or subscribing to us on Spotify. And of course, don't forget the Patreon. This is Mallory Smart. We'll be back next week with an off-the-record episode. Thanks for listening to the show.